Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, Nana to nine, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. It's a 31 days in God's Word. It's a devotional that I wrote specifically for homeschooling moms. And lastly, the four-hour school day, how you and your kids can thrive in the homeschool life. You can find all three of these books on Amazon. You can find them at my website, dorendawilson.com, and you can find the four-hour school day at pretty much any of your favorite booksellers. I'm really excited to uh, be here today to talk about the importance of being in the Word as a family. And you know, we can't be a godly mom um, without being a godly woman. And so one of the things I love to do is to mentor moms in homeschooling, but also in motherhood and faith and many other areas. And there's a very special place that I'm doing that. I want to share that with you right now. We all know it's important to be in the word with our kids, but sometimes things just get in the way and we get distracted, right? Even with one child at home, this can happen, folks, let me tell you. I thought eight was, you know, the big distraction, but it can, I distract myself sometimes. <laughs> this is what I'm finding out. I, I can be my worst distraction. But today I'm gonna be talking about the importance of being in the word um, as a family, as an encouragement to you not to give up. I'm not here to make you feel guilty if that's not happening for you right now. I'm here to give you a word of encouragement and help lift you up so that you can go back to it. You know, with eight kids born in 13 years and five of them being boys, I cannot tell you how much perseverance it took to keep going back to being in the word with them even when we'd fallen off the wagon, so to speak, again. So I wanna share a little excerpt from my book, The Four-Hour School Day, sharing um, exactly that scenario, what it looked like for us. Okay, you ready? The kids were laughing hysterically, practically falling out of their chairs, and I couldn't get them to stop. Nimrod, yelled one. P-leg, shouted the other. This was followed by everyone erupting in laughter again. It was mayhem. This isn't what I had pictured when I envisioned reading the Bible to my kids. I thought they'd sit and listen with bated breath. I thought they would, be res they would respectfully refrain from even snickering, appreciating the fact that these were the very words of God. But here I was, just trying to get through the list of descendants and Genesis so we could move on to the next story, and it didn't appear that we were going to make it past chapter 10, at least not that night. We found that reading the Bible after dinner while everyone was still at the table seemed to work the best for us. We ate dinner together every night at the same time, so it was fairly easy to keep everyone there a little longer for Bible reading and prayer. I'd like to say that we were faithfully consistent in remembering to do this nightly through all those years, but the truth is it was a battle. We would do well for a while and then suddenly realize it, hadn't, it had been several days or a week or longer since we had read together. The funny thing is, if you talk to our grown kids, they'll tell you that we read the Bible after dinner every single night. In their minds, we were consistent. It's a relief to hear that, honestly, because um, especially given the load of guilt that I often carried after realizing we'd fallen off the wagon again. Evidently, the important thing was that we kept getting back on the wagon. 
God is so gracious and faithful. He saw our hearts, took our imperfect offerings, and multiplied them. And I just wanted to give you a little word of encouragement with that because it's not its not easy, but it is so worth it. And today, my sweet friend, speaker, and author, Kathy Cook, is joining us um, to talk about the importance of being in the Word as a family. So I don't know if you know who Dr. Kathy is, but... I want to share with you a little bit about her. She is the founder of Celebrate Kids of Fort Worth, Texas. She's influenced thousands of parents, teachers, and children in 30 countries through keynote messages, seminars, chapels, banquet talks, and other events. She's a regular speaker for Teach Them Diligently, CareNet, Summit Ministries, and the Colson Center. She's also a popular guest on the Focus on the Family Radio, a recurring expert on the water cooler with David Brody on America's Voice, and she was featured in Kirk Cameron's documentaries, Um, That actually, there's going to be a documentary coming out in theaters June 13th and 14th, and I'll have her share a little bit about that. Um, Connect and the Homeschooling Awakening. Oh, I guess that's all, that's what comes out in June. Okay, I was a little bit confused there. So she has also published five books with Moody Publishers. Her sixth will be published in August. She earned a PhD in reading and educational psychology from Purdue University. Most importantly, she has loved Jesus for years, and her faith and desire to serve and glorify God is the foundation for of her ministry. So, Kathy, thank you for being with us today. I'm so honored and pleased to be back with you, Dorinda. Thank you very much. Oh, it's great. We met, um, gosh, it was quite a while back, but we've just had such great conversations. Every time we see each other, every time we chat, um, mm-hmm. the conversations are just so full and I I just always enjoy them. And you've been on my podcast before. Um, so mom, she was on before talking about eight great smarts for homeschoolers. So Kathy, if you can tell us briefly what you're referring to when you talk about smarts and moms, I'm going to put those links to those two podcasts in the show notes. So Kathy, share with us a little bit about smarts. Right. I would love to. That's one of the, you know, I think one of the advantages of homeschooling is being able to individualize instruction and being able to really meet needs. Of course, parents who have kids in the other school models can do this as well. But uh, we know that God was generous when he created us and our kids. We have eight different ways of being smart, eight different ways of thinking about truth. When we're being word smart, we think with words. When we are being logic smart, we think with questions. And I'll just pause to say that a lot of uh, devotionals, a lot of Bible studies are really created for word and logic smart adults and children. And if we don't have a lot of brain cells in those two areas, we may actually struggle and think the word is boring. So that's something you and I can talk about today. And then uh, the third smart is picture smart. These are the kids who think with their eyes. They love to describe things. The fourth one is music smart. We think with rhythms and melodies. And then we also are body smart. We think with movement and touch. These are the kids who might remember scripture when they're allowed to act it out or show you a facial expression that Jesus might have had when encountering a certain situation. And then the last two or the last three really interesting nature smart. We think with patterns and then people smart. We think with other people and self smart. We think deeply inside of ourselves with reflection and we tend to be quieter. It tends to be harder to get self smart kids to uh, share their insights and questions with us. So that's a quick look at all eight. Um, All kids have all eight. And when we teach to all eight and review with all eight, you know, we have greater motivation and greater comprehension and retention of the ideas. 
Mm, I love that. And I know that you're passionate about the value of children, but you're also passionate about the value of both children and parents knowing scripture. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, that they love the word because there there is a difference there. We can know it and not love it. So tell me why. Why are you so passionate about that? Oh, it's, I, I, I got to, well, I'm stumbling. I love that you started with that question. You know, your audience might not know that we don't script this. You know, you and I have talked, you know, you and I have talked about ideas, but I really appreciate that because, you know, I came to faith in Christ when I was 19 after years and years of sitting through church services and family camp and, you know, camp as a kid and all kinds of the things that you do right if you're interested in church. But at 19, I uh, understood that Jesus had died on my behalf and, and chose him as Savior and Lord. And, you know, the rest has been just a beautiful journey. But I was not raised with the word of God being proclaimed in my home. I was raised with it being a Sunday uh, activity. So when I began to understand that the word was a love letter, life letter from a creator to his child, and it was for me, for you as well, but it was for me, you know, everything changed. But then I also, I knew the word, like I read the word, like I read a lot of other books. You know, I was a student, I loved to learn, as you know, and and so I would read it looking for key ideas and, you know, I would underline and I would take notes much like I would do with a biology book or a you know, a book about a topic of interest. And one of my mentors began to understand that I did not really love the word. And she challenged me to love God more and to love the word more and to see it for the beauty that it was and to see the sacrifice within the word of God. And then everything began to change. So now my motivation for the word is not a legalistic check it off the list. And maybe there are some listeners who were raised with those, you know, the disciplines of the Christian faith that, you know, worship, check it off, read the word, check it off, memorize a verse, check it off, you know, pray without ceasing. Well, at least pray, you know, check it off, (laughs) you know, rest, check it off, give, check it off. And I get that. And I think you get that as well. When we turn the disciplines into relational activities, which is what they're called in my church, Mm -hmm. where we don't pray because it's something you have to do. You pray because you're in relationship with the one true God. I don't read the word to feel better about myself so that I feel like I've met some obligation. No, God isn't, you know, a judge up there with a red pen. When when is Kathy going to get around to reading my word? I read it because it's life to me and it's a source of of real truth that I crave now and I'm so, so, so grateful because it does change when you love it and you don't want to just know it. Right, right. That is so true. Um, You know, I've been in the Word my whole life since I was little. I I was thinking about how um, a pastor worded this, what a wonderful thing to not have known a day without Christ. And Mm. I can honestly say that I don't, I don't know a day without Christ. You know, obviously my relationship with him has grown and changed and, you know, over the years as I've gotten older and all of that, but I I love the fact that I've not known anything else. Mm. And, you know, some people refer to that almost as like a a weak testimony, but I think it's a strong (laughs) testimony because that is what I wanted for all of my children as well. And I I heard this pastor say once, he said, um, you know, some, some kids who've grown up not knowing a day without Christ feel kind of guilty that, you know, like they, they don't have this vast change that happened, this date and this time to be able to say, this is when I gave my heart to the Lord. This is when, you know, um, I knew I was his or whatever. 
he said this, he, he said, um, the important thing is that basically we, we know that the sun has risen. We don't need to know when it rose. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that is such a beautiful mm-hmm. picture. Like, I just, I love that. And so for me, it's been the word since I was very, very little. Uh, there's been seasons where I haven't been very good about being in it. And there are times I've had to say, God, I don't even want to actually be in your word. I'm just going to be completely honest. And I mean, he knows the truth anyway, right? <laughs> right. And so I was like, you know, give me a heart for your word. Give me a desire for your word. And and he does. And um, and I love that. And it's just a matter of recognizing it and asking him and then just moving forward in obedience. And, you know, we don't have to feel like it always, you know, mm. we don't always have to have the feelings, but it's amazing when we obey and we're in the word, how the feelings tend to, and the emotions tend to, line up. And I think like you were talking about the disciplines, I think when we're very regular about that, that it happens much more quickly. And I think that's, that's so important. And I feel like, you know, the value of being in the scripture and loving the word is, is something we need to have as parents. Um, Cause obviously we need to model it for our kids, but we, uh, we want our kids to have it as well. And that's not something like we can't force that on our kids. It is something that has to just, it has to happen in their own hearts. Um, but in, in terms of it being important um, and why it's important, my answer to that would be a super simple one. When it comes to our kids, God tells us to do it. Mm-hmm. tells us to instill this in our children. Um, the passage of scripture, I'm going to actually read through it because it's so powerful and it's one of my favorites. And it's one of the things that my husband and I, you know, it's one of those passages that we read that we went, okay, I see this and I see that homeschooling, at least for us, feels like this is the way that we can do this. This is it, It's a tool that God can use to help us do what this passage is telling us to do. And it's Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9 where God says, these are the commands, decrees, and laws of the Lord your God directed, uh, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And what I, the next verse that immediately comes to mind is that verse in Psalms that says, I have set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. And so as you're re- reading through that passage, all I can see is that everywhere we turn, God's principles, his word um, permeates permeates it, you know? So as we're having conversations throughout the day and 
as we're dealing with a difficult math lesson, you know, we can stop, we can pray and ask the Lord for strength because he says that we have, you know, as believers, we can come into the bold, into the throne room boldly to find grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. And so, you know, it's just, this is the beautiful thing about homeschooling is that we have the opportunity to do that. Um, But we're only going to do that if we're also being saturated in the word as well. And so we have to think about um, as we're in the word and we're obeying God, that's the first reason that we're doing it, why it's so important. Um, But the other reason, I have actually a couple of reasons here. The next one, I feel like it's always fruitful. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And uh, I just, that passage always pops in my mind, um, reminding me that God is faithful and that his word is actually a living word. And so it actually produces something. And so like we can do a math lesson or a reading lesson. Our kids may forget about it and it it may just fall flat for whatever reason. You know, we have bad days. We have moments that aren't great teaching moments or whatever. Um, But the word of God, you know, maybe you're not going to see that fruit right away, but you continue to invest and eventually you will see the fruit. And so um, that is another motivation to stay, um, to be, to, to remain steadfast in this. And the other reason that I think it's important um, is that the word of God I mentioned before is alive and it teaches us discernment. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of whom we must give account. And so the thing that I love is that, you know, when I'm discipling my kids and when I'm disciplining and training my children and I turn to God's word as the final authority, it really takes me kind of out of the loop. I am the messenger of what God has to say. It's not me bearing down and saying, you need to do these things. I'm saying God is saying we need to live like this. And so um, it actually can help us in our parenting and kind of help take some of the emotion out of it. Because we, I know I get caught up in sometimes in the emotion of parenting when I need to be parenting from principle and not just emotion. And so the word of God helps us do that. Um, so uh, I think that one of the things that we can we can talk about and should talk about, we know it's important, but how does it happen? Um, there are so many different ways. Um, Kathy, have you ever uh, done a talk or spoken to parents about different ways to engage their kids in um, in the word? Well, yes and no. You know, I, I make I allude to it. I haven't done an entire talk about that, but you know, 
I, I want to talk about that, but do you mind if I back up and say something sure, else first? That's really, really on my mind, and and it's not a direct answer to the question you just asked. But I just want to affirm everything you said, and of course, it was from scripture, so it's a no-brainer to affirm it. Right, right. But I want to remind everyone of what you were saying about there is fruit that comes from the study in the Word, and I think what I want to remind everyone is is that children may not see it as readily as you and I do, as the adult, as the parent does. So if if we have studied, you know, beauty or we've read some passages about perseverance, we've read passages about, um, I don't know, forgiveness, whatever the case may be. You know, adults may be expecting the fruit and may find it more readily because of life experiences. You know, if you've read some Proverbs about, you know, uh, perseverance and you had a child who persevered that day, we would be foolish to not say to them, you just demonstrated the truth of the proverb that we studied earlier today. You know, way to go, Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you read about how God created, you know, beauty, maybe you were studying even creation from Genesis and you're out for a walk that night and you know you you comment on you know the daisy or the sunset or whatever it might be even a kid kicking a rock is beautiful if you choose to see it that way Mm -hmm. so I, i think one of the most important things we do is to watch for us to um amplify the application of the word if you will you know application is what brings us to that wisdom point knowing it without being changed by it is is really not all that great, right? right? It's the it's the application of the truth. We see it. Let's make sure our kids see it because that's what's going to keep them motivated to study again. And if they, you know, if they read something today and they saw it this afternoon, now when they read the scripture tomorrow, they're going to be encouraged because they're going to be reminded that it's real, it's applicable, it's relevant. And then later that day, they're going to expect to see that again, this truth shows up in the way that I live my life. I think that's what I stress in my talking, whether it's about, you know, emotional wellness or thinking skills or, you know, making sure that God meets your needs and not, you know, yourself trying to meet your own needs. It's do we help our kids recognize that those passages that we read have shown up in our, in our day-to-day work? I'm not sure that we always do that. And I think that that's really a profitable thing to do. Oh, I agree completely. I think that's where um, it's it's a lifestyle for us and we're modeling mm-hmm. it for our children. Like when you said, you know, we're helping them notice these things. In doing that, we are helping them know and notice God in their life, you know? And so this brings them to a place of understanding that God isn't just, you know, God way up there in the sky somewhere. He is actually here and he's with us and he's ever present and he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. And he is, you know, weaving our lives together. And um, I think that one of the ways that is really powerful to do that, I love all the things you mentioned, um, but especially like weighing in on the gratitude piece of it, you know, Mm -hmm. where we're like, you know, even during our prayer times over our meals, maybe throughout the day or before we pray with our kids before bed, just, um, just really being thankful. Um, I think that's that's another um, just really powerful way to show our kids that we understand where our blessings are coming from, and we're helping them to understand that as well. And and through all of this, it's like we're showing them a real, powerful, um, ever present God who they can count on. You know, and that's something that you know, you can't teach out of a curriculum. You, Amen. <laughs> you, you just can't. And so, you know, that, so you're living it alongside of your kids. You're living it out. And that's one thing that I loved about that one scripture 
Um, it's impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and get up and tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. You can just feel the whole, like it's oozing throughout your life as you walk along with your children. And I just, I think it just paints such a beautiful, beautiful picture. And I mean, there are so many more reasons um, that it's important uh, to be in the word as a family, but I think we've we've really covered some, some pretty significant and very, you know, strong principles in God's word showing us why it's important. And there's tons more there, but I think one, one question I was asking about how this, how does this happen? But I think we're going to answer those questions in the next podcast when we talk about ways to engage our kids in the word. But I do want to talk real quickly about things that can get in the way. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) And I know Kathy, I'm sure you, um, you know, even as just an adult woman, um, I, you know, my kids, like I said before, my kids are, are pretty much all grown and out of the house. So I find that I am sometimes my worst enemy when it comes to getting distracted. And, um, there's always something that can keep me from doing that. And, uh, do you have that experience too? Well, yes. And I'll be very honest with you. Sure. You know, it can be, you know, running late, you know, I, I work out at a gym in the morning. So a lot of people think, you know, you should be in the word in the morning. And so, you know, if I'm running late or, you know, I had a quick call to make with somebody beforehand, there's always an excuse, right? There's always something else to do. There's always, you know, another bowl to clean or another, you know, email to send. But I'm going to say to you that for, and for your audience, that what gets in my way is pride. Mm. You know, it's, it's not so much the to-do list. I can blame the to-do list. It's very easy right. for me yes. to, to blame the to-do list, but to be very honest, When I'm not in the word, it's because I believed at some point within myself that I did not need that today. Mm -hmm. I can be my own strength. Mm -hmm. I have enough wisdom. After all, I've read the Bible three days in a row, you know, or, you know, I I worshiped last night. You know, I I prayed longer today than normal, you know, whatever. I can justify my choice to, you know, spend time the way that I want to spend it. And often it's going to be pride, a lack of teachability. It can be a self-centeredness and a selfishness. I want to do what I want to do. And so I just want to encourage everybody to wonder, you know, if you're struggling with a, a daily routine, you're struggling with getting back into a routine, which can be difficult, as you were saying early on, but we have, you know, ideally because we love God, we choose to not worry about our, you know, how we look, but we get back in and do it. But I just want to encourage everybody to wonder, is it a character issue? And is that what we need to pray over? Is that what we need to repent from? And not quit blaming, not keep blaming the to-do list. Yeah. I hope I that makes totally sense. I agree. Oh my goodness. That was really convicting because I actually, at the heart of what I was saying, um, is exactly that. That is exactly mm-hmm. me as well. Because we we tend to be this. Um, we live in a culture that's very self sufficient, and because we have or we think we are, you know, there's an illusion of self sufficiency. Yes, not what we were created for. We were created for dependency, but it grates against our flesh, our sinful nature that is prideful. And no matter how long I, I work on continuing to humble myself before the Lord. Pride has a way of just quickly rearing its ugly head. And so you're absolutely right. And this morning, um, Silas and I, we've been reading through the Bible, which is not something I ever thought I would be doing as part of a routine with, with, you know, our children or even a child, but I was doing it anyway, listening to it on audio Bible. And so I've just, you know, and I would do something separate with him 
before. I would do something separate from him when it came to the Bible. I would do my thing and then I would do it with him, something different with him. And and I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to invite him into this. And so it's just been wonderful because it's really, he's 17. So it's helping to give him sort of a flyover of scripture, you know, because we're going through it more quickly than we have before. And he's a little more reflective, detailed guy, so he can get really bogged down in the details. So I think this is really good for him to kind of have to take a step back. But we're going through Revelation right now, which I was kind of like, this is going to be interesting. So so what we've been doing is when we start a new book— we, um, I read the, the, you know, have a, st- a couple of different study Bibles. And so I'll read the summary at the beginning. So it'll help kind of give us an idea of the setting, the author, sort of the meaning and the message behind it. So we go into it with a little bit of, you know, grounding and understanding of where the author was coming from, who he was speaking to. But today, this is all this is to tell you this, we get to this point in um, Revelation 3, verses um, uh, 15 to 19. I want to read them to you because it was very, very convicting in terms of our culture and the the self-sufficiency. And so much of it happens because we have so much. We've been given so much. We are so wealthy in so many ways. We've, you know... We, we don't typically worry about where we're going to lay our head at night. We've got food, we've got clothing. We're not running for our lives. We, um, you know, we have those needs all met and we, um, and even just, we've got our Bibles. We, we don't have to try to, we don't have to hide reading our Bibles. You know, we most of us have numerous copies in our, in our homes. And, you know, so there's just, and then there's the wealth of, you know, our phones and access to information and massive amounts of just endless Bible studies. And, oh my goodness, it's crazy. So it's, it's so much so that we can indulge ourselves in all of these things. And at the same time, not be able to meaningfully apply them because we're trying to do too much. And all of that can lead us to feeling this, like this independence from God. And this is what happened to the Israelites back in the Old Testament. As soon as things got comfortable, they just thought they, you know, their comfort and their riches were because they had made all these great decisions. They, they forgot those blessings were from God. So here we are in Revelation and it says this, and I'm thinking about our culture and I'm thinking about, um, just how this sort of fits in with it um, and our temptation for self-sufficiency. It says here, I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich, I have become wealthy and need nothing. And you don't know that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich, white clothes so that you may be dressed, and your shameful nakedness not be exposed, an ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be committed and repent. Listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him and have dinner with him and he with me. And I love that because this is a message to believers. Yes. You know, basically saying um, you're forgetting something. You're forgetting that you are needy and you need Mm, me, (laughs) essentially. mm -hmm, And so that's, I think, where we can very quickly end up and where I have ended up way too many times, like you mentioned. And, um, and, And I have to humble myself again and say, Lord, 
I'm going to humble myself under your mighty hand. And I know that in due time, you'll lift me up. But this is where I need to be is in a humble posture. So I love that you shared that, Kathy. That was that is just perfect. And so as we close up this uh, podcast episode, the what I want to leave you with, moms, is I want you to understand we don't live in a culture that emphasizes multi-generational viewpoint. And so what I want to do is encourage you that you are not just doing this investment, um, making this investment into uh, you know, reading the scripture yourselves and growing your, your walk with the Lord and then into your children as well. You are doing this. You are investing in your children, but you are also investing in your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. And God's word doesn't come back void. So that means it's not just going to affect your children. It's going to have this trickle down or almost rushing effect into your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. And I'm down the road a ways now. I've got uh, our ninth grandbaby on the way this year. And I am watching my children invest in that same way in their children because they understand the importance of the Word of God and a relationship with Him. So it's much bigger than you can ever imagine. And it is so worth it to just continue to persevere. And I want to leave you with that verse in Galatians 6, 9 that says, let us not grow weary in doing good for in due time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so uh, join us again. Kathy and I will be in the next episode talking about ways to engage your kids in the word. So join us for that. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the encouragement that you give us to do what's right, to invest um, in our children and to do so um with your principles and with you at the forefront of our minds, with you ever before us, Lord. And so we I just pray for every parent listening, God, that they would have been encouraged by this. I ask that you would um, strengthen them, give them grace, and help them to um, just stand firmly in continuing to be in the word themselves and to instill your word and ways in their children. I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 